Hello, I'm Jane Daly, and this is my podcast for people who know. As a thought leader and work-life activist, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to inspire others to do the same. My interest in in Theresa Rose started in 2016 when um, she was working for a German company and doing some incredible work around employee personas and how by understanding more about their behavior can really help the organization to change. Teresa, welcome. Thank you. So Teresa, um, when I met you, we were talking about personas. Um, Tell us how that works evolved for you. Yes, I've I've recently been uh, looking at experience design and with um, a university in Netherlands. So I've been attending some sessions with them. And I came across the work that they've been doing um, around socionas. And um, I was intrigued by that because it takes personas on because there is some danger with personas that your thinking will be far too narrow and you have too much certainty. With socionas, it looks at the person as a system and it looks at the the linkages in their lives and it's where you can then get um, aha moments from that because you think ah this is the reason that that person does this which means this person does that rather than it being solely around that person so you then design for that system rather than for that one person well that sounds incredible you and I would definitely be talking more about that now Teresa you are currently a freelance learning and performance consultant tell us a bit more about yourself oh um where do I start (laughs) being nearly 50 52 there's quite a lot to tell now um where do I start I I think that um there's always been learning throughout my career that's been a golden thread and I initially wanted to be a teacher that didn't happen for one reason or another Um, but I would always find myself um, helping people do their jobs better I worked in retail management and I would find myself um, noticing seeing things and intervening and helping people but also doing it to equip them to be able to do it themselves Um, I've been a Prince's Trust mentor uh, for several years and I suppose then I actively decided after a few years of working in, in ed tech sales as well to pursue my, my interests in learning and development more directly and uh, did a master's in, uh, in HR management, but to get more broadly into, into corporate learning and development. And the fact that I also like business and I like that commercial aspect as well. So that was always why I wanted to go into a corporate and uh, my my dissertation I did on um, the use of Myers-Briggs because I'd noticed that in the organization that I was working for and it really intrigued me so I'm always fascinated as well about the things that we use in learning and development and are they really making a difference and um, that that study showed me then about inquiry and um, not to, to be curious and not take things at face value and I think that shaped a lot of my career and my work. Absolutely. And Teresa, you and I spend many, um, many an hour talking about evidence and (laughs) what what we see. So I I can't wait to explore that with you today. But huge amounts of valuable experience for the industry, uh, which is um, currently going through some pretty challenging times. But I'm going to invite you to come into the the people who know uh, time machine. So are you up for that? 
I am, yes. Fabulous. Okay, so um, I'm in the driving seat, Teresa, and, uh, uh, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, the time machine is fabulous, isn't it? Do you like it? Do you like the time machine? I, I do. I, I've just got images of Betty Davis now in All About Eve. Um, <laughs> the famous line that you've just used, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we are going to start by setting the clock to 1999 um, just before we moved into a new millennium so so let's arrive at 1999 and, and to set the scene because this this time machine's really fast to set the scene here's just a few facts to get us started so the euro was introduced in this year and, and president bill clinton was also cleared of impeachment oh. um, doing it for the girls was lindsay davenport who won her first wimbledon title beating Steffi graff and Serena Williams won her first Grand Slam in that year. And also what's really important is the first president was elected in New Zealand, who was called Helen Clark. So some great female stuff going on there as well. Eminem released his first album, The Slim Shady, and The Matrix uh, was premiered. And really importantly, it was the first time the term e-learning was used, Teresa. So what was going on for you at that time in 1999? Oh, I, I, I was on the, the, the um, first year of my second marriage. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's shown my age a bit there. I was working in um, educational technology sales. And um, I was working with schools, with primary and um, secondary schools and um it was a move actually then from more from publishing to more of a of a blend to sell into schools probably before the term blended learning was used as well absolutely i mean it was a really interesting time so 21 years since um you know the term e-learning was was first used and you know before that we had um ict and cbt um you know um computer-based training and um and a lot of that is is really interesting because um in my view when you talk to people today about e-learning there's still a lot of feelings about how it was at that time that we haven't really recovered from what's your view on that Teresa? yeah that that makes me think as well around when i did my undergrad um thesis which i did on the uh, education technology market because of the investment that the Blair government had made. And uh, knowing that I'd be chatting to you today, I looked over some of the, the data around that in terms of when Blair came in in 1997 and the manifesto was education, education, education. And there was a white paper published on en enabling technology in the classroom and there was a vast amount of investment. So the, pu the pupil spending between those 10 years from 97 to 2007, which would cover 1999, rose by 48% in real terms and um, whether the money was wisely spent was another question so I wanted to go back over that um, and go back in my own mini time machine and um, and see did it make it did it make a difference um, and there was a report about um, standards not structures and um, so they weren't going to hold teachers to too many structures but the data showed that they didn't make a vast amount of difference and but i but personally i was benefiting from it because i was selling to these schools that had got a vast amount of money as was sir alan sugar at that time or lord alan sugar as he is now um 
And some of the stats show that a fifth of children had spent six to seven years in primary school, but they're still left without being able to read um, and write properly. Mm. Even though things like compulsory literacy and numeracy hours were introduced and technology was used in the classroom for that. Uh, and the organisation I was working for um, were in games-based learning um, during that period, and they won numerous awards for their for their work. And there was a lot of evidence in in what they did. But I suppose the question remains: is is why didn't um, it make such a difference when so much money was invested? And and that to me mirrors a lot of what we see in learning and development. That continues today. Um, those investments continue to rise um, mm. even today, but we do not see the impact. So in fact, my own research that, that was published in February of 2020 showed that we could only found between 7 and 10% actually sticking long term. Um, and when I say long term, I'm talking about a number of months. Um, we, you know, we're not talking about years here, but and, and so that's pretty challenging. So let's you and me talk about that, Teresa. Why mm. do we think, you know, why do you think that it, you know, uh, to answer, you know, to explore your question, why do you think it's not working? Um, it, it's systemic. It's not. We want we want certainty. We tend to want to think that by fixing one problem, it's going to fix everything. And um, I've I've studied OD and I've worked using OD methodologies, organisational development for those that that don't know, and that does look at the organization or the person even as a system and, and I think that's where we we fall foul um, in learning and development I, I like personally wherever I can to use a lot of observation and, and not be asking people questions but to observe what they do which is ethnoph I can't even say ethnoph <laughs> <laughs> I have to repeat that. Um, and anthropology and ethno ethnography. Uh, I'll try and say it again. Um, and that's where I've got the most insights. And, and I've been coming back to that a lot recently in some of the the learning that I've been doing doing myself. And um, also taking me back to what I did in, in 2016, I wasn't able to do a lot of observation because of the scale of it. But if I went back then, I probably would do. I would probably go and observe. When I did my thesis around Myers-Briggs, I did a lot of observation. I went out and did a lot of field research, um, which because it was needed for a thesis, but I also, I also think that we need to do a lot more of that to understand what is actually going on um, and to not be fearful of complexity. We just like too much certainty. So I, I think that is, um, it, it's been, not being afraid of not knowing Teresa, I totally agree with you. There's definitely a systemic issue that's lying there. And for me, I often see some issues around culture. But Teresa, let's get back in the time machine yes. and go into current day, right? So, so let's arrive at, at 2020, 21 years later. And I know this terrain is pretty rocky and you and I mm. should fly past, but we are going to open the door and have a look. So uh, tell me what, what, you know, what are you observing um, at the moment? Um, I, I'm observing the echo chamber that feels like L&D is and I was um, I was liking it too as well there's it feels like there's loads of cobwebs or loads of things hanging down that I'm trying to navigate through and there's this being discussed there's that being discussed and there seems um, a real lack of um, always an issue around learning development which I've not seen having worked in other sectors um, that that's that constant search for an identity 
what are we who are we what are we supposed to be doing here and i've i've never known a profession as well that seems to talk so much about their their art and their their craft um and i don't know whether they i i certainly didn't do that myself it was if i was talking to a stakeholder um but it's a bit like i liken it a little little bit to a child that comes and shows you the picture that they've drawn oh look at what i've made um here look at look at this fancy tech look at this look at this game look at this um, artificial intelligence look at look at these these pretty things these um, attractive things and um there's also an element of um a lack of habit so there doesn't seem um to, to thick, sit, stick at things what i call adherence so there's no there's no long longer term trying things um, and experimenting i suppose that comes back to to evidence based as well um and it is a very very uh, strange situation that we're in it's something that we've not experienced before and all of the algorithms and artificial intelligence in the world didn't predict this so i think there's that learning that being wary that um a little bit like a satellite navigation the further that you're going to drive you, you can't perceive there's going to be a pile up in the road and that might delay your journey by a couple of couple of hours or longer it, it's it's very difficult to to have complete foresight it is it is isn't it it really is to stay present and how are you coping with this in your work Theresa? how are you coping with this crazy um crazy world that we're in I, I had a little bit of a wobble because uh, I lost I lost um, more my client work overnight. Um, not not my fault that the the, the businesses I was working in are, are two sectors that have been significantly hit, and uh, their employees have taken a hit as well. And and it's understandable. Um, so what I've been spending some time doing is. Um, exploring other areas which is something i've always done in my career so i'm i'm doing a lot of self-development um i am starting to uh, code from next week so i'm i'm uh, joining women in tech which is a midlands initiative so i'm going to learn software coding which is taking me out of my comfort zone quite a bit because i i would say i'm not the most um, logical person sometimes but then again i look back and i think maybe i am i, I tend to think of myself as, as more creative uh, so that's one thing that I'm doing. I'm winding, widening my network. So I've always looked at things outside of learning and development and taking inspiration from that. And I'm doing a lot more of that. And I feel like I'm getting far more from that than I am from learning and development. That is, is incredibly interesting. I mean, I love this getting out of the comfort zone. And, you know, in fact, you know, coming back to how we learn, you know, this is incredible incredibly important for us as human beings isn't it mm. to disrupt our thinking and um, allow us to grow and transform and do all of those things so so for you you're getting you know a huge amount Teresa out of really allowing the noise to happen in L&D and really striving for change and for you how are you going to apply um, all of this this learning that's going on for you how are you going to apply it and help the profession transform Oh, um, I, I've, I've probably always done it. I, I suppose I'm quite a quiet person, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, from working with me as well, that I don't like being on a stage in, in front of people. So I suppose I do it more on a one-to-one -one basis. 
and I've done it in the client with the clients that I've been working with and um, again they're doing some great stuff in learning and development but they're not shouting about it they're not out there with it because they're too busy uh, doing what they're doing to um, be spending time on on social media or elsewhere so I, I think there's probably a, a lot of that that's going on behind the scenes of what we tend to see in our news feeds that is great work and um, it, it saddens me when I see a lot of um, L&D bashing that, that goes on as well um, so I think it's in the work that I do and with the clients that I work with and also in, in my network, in the conversations like you and I have, there's a, there's a lot of people that I, I like to have these one-to-one -one conversations with and, and uh, talk through ideas. And, um, and, and also, I think much more broadly, I'm finding that in the networks that I'm going into, I'm having interesting conversations that are helping them. And it might even be thinking through a move to more of a digital business with the experience that I've had um, in, in the German company because they were going through such a transformation at the time that I'm able to bring a lot of that competence and history as well as what I'm doing now um, to, yeah, to inspire probably more on an individual basis. And uh, that's probably where, where I'm best. Fantastic. So, you know, really giving that influence um, in your own way your, your quiet but authoritative way Teresa planting those seeds of change so that the flourishing can happen but making sure those foundations are, are laid in the right way which is you know you and I've spoken about that a lot if those things are not planted in the right way no amount of money or time or effort will will change things for the future you, you have to lay those foundations mm. Let's have a look into the future, shall we? Because, you know, as, as an expert in this field, and I know, Teresa, you may not call yourself that, but you absolutely are. You know, I know your work um, has influenced an enormous amount of people. Um, you're, 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 for me, not referenced enough. Um, and, you know, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have a podcast with you, because I want people to hear um, your experience and how, um, your work has really been helping a number of individuals, organisations and the industry itself. So let's get back in this time machine mm -hmm. and let's let's set a future and let's go off to 2030. So um, less than 10 years from now. So let's arrive at 2030. And for you, Teresa, you know, as we open the door here, what do you see? I hope to see that there's a lot more um, social equity and um, that's something I've been passionate about for a long time which is why I did the, the mentoring work with the Prince's Trust and having worked a lot within education and um, seeing what's happening with the challenges that uh, education authorities have and universities have I hope there's been a big change in that uh, that that model has, has changed completely and um, it, it takes me actually to conversations I've had in the, in the past I worked with an innovation unit when I was in Germany and we were looking at how would we how how might we disrupt education and we talked about giving budgets to uh, in individuals rather than it being centralized and they could choose who which which education establishments they wanted to learn from and how rather than being dictated by a curriculum of a lot of content that we don't necessarily need which again is not dissimilar to what goes on in learning and development because that model 
uh, continues, that education model continues and people lose their ability to be curious. And we're going to need to be far more curious and challenging and explorative when we get to 2030 if, if we're going to be continually taken over by tech and we're going to trust tech far too much. So I would hope that people don't trust trust everything and tr put all their judgments in, in what technology tells you. No, interesting. And, and I think, you know, what I am seeing an emergence of this sort of um, individual learning account, you know, mentality that is actually incredibly successful. And, and, and actually, I'm seeing a number of organisations blend that, you know, there's amount of that. And there's also some um, other funding um, or time available for, you know, a mixture of the two. Um, and that that blending, um, I'm actually seeing coming out as very successful. Are you seeing any of that? Well, I think about how I have mainly learned myself, and, and that's what I tend to do. So one of the questions I might have for, for learning and development to think about is, would you would you use or would you buy, or would you be a consumer of your own content if you had a choice to go elsewhere? I, I, but that would be a really interesting question I'd like to explore. What a what a great what a great question. Um, yeah, would they be advocates of of their own work and their own portfolio uh, that is, is available? And and you know, in fact, L and D are the worst offenders when it comes to their own development plans. Um, you know, L and D are just not investing in their own futures. They're not fitting their own mask before they're helping others. And quite frankly, as this world is progressing at such a pace, particularly um, socially, as you mentioned, um, technologically, um, but also, you know, how people are learning more about themselves, how they're looking for personalization um, and how they really are looking for um, being able to accelerate and adapt and maybe having a portfolio of careers in the future. Mm. I mean, we, you know, we've really got to bring um, a, a very different level of expertise and a huge step up um, to what there is today. I want to ask you a question about women, Teresa, because mm -hmm. as an inspirational woman who was inspired, I know not only myself, but many others, you know, what advice would you give to women who particularly work in and around this profession as they look to grow their career? I would say... I, I'm finding myself being involved in more and more women-only networks, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I like I like how it feels much more. I I've got a lot of I've got a lot of male friends and a lot of of um, of male role models within learning and development as well. Um, somebody like Asti Digani and um, and Sam Netherwood, who's more in in, in behavioural science now, and. Um, I, I suppose it's it's not not excluding men and not saying it's men against women, um, but I think there's a lot a lot I'm seeing a lot more of, of women are doing it for themselves and they're they're stepping out of the corporate model. I I've taken a lot of inspiration for years before she's been more prolific just uh, the last few years from Mary Portis, and she has that um, observation. She'll go in and she'll work with people and she'll observe what's going on. And she has a phrase that is, um, work is designed by men for men. I suppose I, I've thought of what I've done myself the last few years, and that is probably designed my life, redesigned my life um, the last the last year or so, as, I, as I've 
gone into more of a portfolio freelance career and I think I'm continuing to do that as well with with the new learning that I'm that I'm undertaking is I am doing things like copywriting more into marketing though that again is is part of my competence but looking at digital marketing looking at behavioral science um, looking at experience design and I I attend women in tech as well in Nottingham so they're, they're online at the moment but I was going to the those events so and I've just become um, a founding member of Digital Women so I've been involved in that group for for over a year um, but I but I've joined the, the members the members group now so the founding members so I'm one of the first hundred members to um, to be part of that group and a, again I find that a completely different feel for me and um, stepping out of my comfort zone challenging me but taking a lot a lot more learning because it, it's outside of what's been my specialism for what 15 years what I love about what you're saying and also someone who inspires you Mary Portis is that you know it's it's great to be an observationist and um, make comments but it's rolling your sleeves up and getting involved and actually being you know, part of the conversation and influencing what is going on and really getting under the skin um, of that change um, in order to make things better for the future. You know, just be better um, and not just keep talking about it, actually Mm. doing as well. Mm. What great advice, Teresa. Um, I know that our listeners will take um, a huge amount from what you just said. So, right, Teresa, we're getting back in that time machine, but I'm going to be really brave now and I'm handing over the time machine to you so where are we going backwards forwards wherever you like oh goodness me well I was gonna I was gonna say around sort of the early the early 2000s but I I I I would think um to to go to go back to maybe when I was um working and, and studying studying my master's back in 2007 I had to do um I was doing learning and development that was the, the module I was doing at the time, so it should be like at level seven. And we had to deliver a session. So me and my cohort had to deliver a session on the future of learning at work. So we would be looking into the future from 2007 to 2017. And um, we were looking again at, um, at some of the technologies, et cetera, at, at that time and also looking at the previous 10 years. And again, I'm going back to my earlier, earlier points about the Blair government. And we were looking at things um, like the fact that gaming and Nintendo and all of those things had come in. We got Dolly the Sheep with DNA. Um, and we were looking at things like flipped classroom and new ways of delivering learning, more about blended learning. And if you then come back to today and the struggles that organizations are having are organizations that you think might be equipped with digital technologies you only have to look at, at Primark and the fact that they've got no online presence is again looking into the future so going going to the theme of your podcast and looking into the future we were trying to look into the future and again not much has not that much has changed and shifted even though we were looking at trends that were were coming in and and I and I wonder why that is and I suppose that's the fundamentals of human behavior is that change is difficult we we look at change programs and the report is that they don't they don't they're not successful because things happen along the way that that might derail that that might stop us and that happens to us daily so for all of us covid has derailed us it's derailed our plans it's derailed our holiday plans it's um derailed our businesses derailed our working lives derailed our children's lives and you you just cannot 
predict that future and, and I'm going back thinking then as well the work that I was doing around um, my master's thesis around Myers-Briggs and we're still having those conversations around things like learning styles around Myers-Briggs so I, I think going going back then is you you've mentioned being a doer and I do class myself as as more of a doer and I had a I had a coach at that time as well and she also said that I was a doer um, but I probably overdid and I over efforted that was the phrase that she would use and that sticks with me so I suppose I have to catch myself whenever I I over effort so in 2007 I was definitely over efforting in in work in life um, in in study and uh, I'm running on empty for quite a lot and I and I think that there's a lot of organizations that um, have been running on empty for a long time as well and it's it's time I know people talk about a reset and I was working in an organization at that time that did that they did a reset but they didn't reset for long enough and that then caused them bump, more bumps along the road because they didn't stick at it and it goes back to my um earlier earlier point about adherence and sticking to things and and staying with them for longer and if that's got discomfort staying with that discomfort probably ruminating quite a bit here but yes 2007 um was a good year in a lot of ways as well i was learning a lot i was meeting a lot of new people i was learning a lot of theory um a lot of different ways of working and I was applying that to my work at the time and um, also I was going through a, a career change so I think that's why it's um, it's quite a, a big a big year for me because that was really my my kickstart in in my corporate learning and development career. Amazing Teresa and it's great to hear you know you um, really um, talking to your younger self there and giving yourself advice, uh, which which is incredible. And, you know, for me, um, you know, how I sum this up is, is for you. You've always been the change. You know, as I say, you're rolling your hands, you're getting in there. And I can absolutely see you um, learning from yourself, learning from others, but really getting in there and you know making things happen which is fantastic i've absolutely loved talking to you today Teresa. one thing I'd, I'd love to ask you is tell us something that may surprise people about you oh um that i can do press-ups with a 10 kilogram weight on my back maybe <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's, that's probably um yeah and and before before lockdown i was um i was uh, lifting 110 kilograms i got a personal best in the gym um whether whether I'll be able to maintain that when I go back in I, I doubt that my strength will be the same but I I think again that's me challenging myself um, through my fitness as well and another thing is that I'm a dancer and again I'm not doing that at the moment because it's probably one of the worst things that you could definitely can't social distance with the dancing that I do which is salsa and kizumba and, wow. and that again is something that I've done because that makes me, you know, directly in the shoes of a learner. So it's that that discomfort of learning something new. Amazing, oh, yeah. amazing. I mean, it is it is incredible how people balance work and life, and they're so intertwined. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing um, just a tiny part of your world with us today, and and for being the change. Teresa, thank you so much. Thank you, Jane.